0: On today's show, Noah and I react to the NBA deciding on a start date December 22nd. We also look at how Steve Cohen is taking over the Mets in New York and no punishment for Justin Turner. We we give our opinions on that and our NFL Week Nine preview. This man was a bona fide scrub.
1: the Bonafide Sports Podcast. No Levine, Will swing as usual. A little crazy week because of the election. They're still counting votes there in Nevada and some states, but we're a sports show anyways. It's not going to dive too much into politics here, but we've got news from Woj and Shams that the NBA is starting December 22nd, 72-game season, they agreed. And that's good news for the NBA. I mean, we're going to get some basketball, Christmas basketball, and... They're gonna be able to play 72 games, almost 82 games. But I'm as a Knicks fan, we haven't seen a Knicks game since March, and they're gonna be back in December. So that's great news for for the for the NBA.
0: Yeah, having a quick turnaround for this NBA season is definitely good for the league. They need to have their sort of independent time to be on air and uh, to have their games uninterrupted and to have the NBA Finals take place in the middle of the summer when no other significant sports are going on. You get the NBA Finals in June and July, and that's when it's the middle of the MLB season, and people aren't really paying attention to that. Football is still a few months away from being relevant, so they absolutely needed to sort of turn their season around and uh, get it going, and for them to reach an agreement for a December 22nd start is important, and it's going to be exciting to... Have basketball on Christmas Day. That's always one of the most exciting things uh, for the holiday season. Hopefully, the Knicks will get a Christmas Day game again because they were taken off the slate for the first time in I think their history last year. They didn't have a, a Christmas Day game, so hopefully, the the NBA will put them back on uh, a 72 game season. Uh, I'm I'm for that. Yeah, uh, we saw that the, in the lockout year they had. What did they have? Sixty six games, Noah. So it yeah. is very similar to to that. And yeah, I mean, we're going to see what happens for teams that were in the bubble for a long time, like the Lakers and like the Heat and the other contending teams that were there for a couple of months. They are going to be fatigued. I think I read a report that said LeBron, if the season were to start on December 22nd, would consider sitting out the first month. And, you know, we'll see if they call his bluff on that and we'll see if he he plays, but Uh, I think the early start definitely benefits the teams that have been off for so long over the bubble teams for sure.
1: Yeah, hopefully the Knicks can sneak their way into the playoffs with Tibbs and their new uh, (laughs) team. The NBA draft is November 18th. That's an important date for not just Knicks fans around the league. I mean, the Timberwolves, I've been hearing that they might want to trade the first pick. I mean, there really is no premier number one prospect. It's a toss between Wiseman, Edwards, and LaMelo. The Warriors want to trade out a second pick, but they haven't gotten any good deals yet. So draft night's gonna be interesting. Will there be a lot of trades? I don't know. The Knicks have the eighth pick and the 27th pick in the first round. So we don't really we really don't know who's gonna be there today. Will it could be Denny, could be Tyrese, Halliburton, could be who who will they even draft? We will we, we will find out on November 18th. What's some bigger news in the baseball world? Steve Cohen is officially the Mets owner approved today and guess what he just did will what did he do he got rid of Brody Van Wagen and the entire Mets front office just now I
0: didn't even know this
1: just tweeted 10 minutes ago Anthony Decomo Mets B right and Ken Rosenthal breaking news Brody Van Wagen Omar Minaya and three other guys are all leaving the Mets front office so he got there he cleaned house he got rid of the guy you beef with Brody good for him and it's exciting to be a Mets fan again they have new owner, no GM, no cancer GM, or that, that's an agent or whatever. Things are going to be good in New York. They're going to spend big this offseason. The richest owner in baseball finally approved. And he, he just did, he did everything day one. He's bringing in his guys, and he's going to do it his way from now on.
0: Yeah, that's a really smart move by him. I obviously am not a, a Van Wagenen supporter. I don't think he's done very much at all for the Mets franchise and it's clear that neither did Steve Cohen and he got ended up getting rid of them all. He's going to bring his own people to help advise him. And uh, it's, I mean, I'm not a Mets fan, but it's good. I think you're in support of him really taking control and just being uh, the owner that you want him to be where he's not just going to sit by and be passive and let people control his team. It's going to be him and it's going to be his franchise And it's going to be up to him, uh, you know, the decisions that they make. So I think that's really smart, getting rid of Van Wagen and everybody else. And just because those those people have not been successful. They have not built a Mets team that was competitive. They had the best chance for getting into the postseason last year with a 16-team format. And they couldn't even do that in a year where it was nearly a given. Two teams from every division ended up making it. And they couldn't even do that. So absolutely, uh, I think that would be a fireable offense especially under new ownership and clearly uh he's getting things done right away
1: brand new owner usually cleans house and he did it he's gonna build i mean the mets didn't have that many analytic guys they weren't like the rays yankees or teams that were competitive for the last couple of years yeah, they like had they, they had
0: one of the smallest analytic departments in the in the mlb and they had not been successful uh without a, a nice analytic department
1: and he's gonna hire a bunch of analytic guys. New GM coming in. They're gonna they're gonna fix the team. What it was, fan um, wagon hurt us with the Diaz and Cano trade. I mean, Cano was fine. Diaz has been all right, but just really we gave back one of the best prospects in baseball, Klenick away to the Mariners. That was not a good a win now move that failed. I mean, I expect Cohen and his new regime to make a bunch of trades and moves this offseason. I mean, he's the richest owner. And and he wants to win. He's a lifelong Mets fan. He wants to win. He's gonna to try to get the Francisco Lindors of the world. He's gonna to try to make moves and try to hire the right people. The Mets are taking over the are they're taking over New York, baby. They are taking over New York. <laughs> we'll see. They're taking over New York baseball. Because the Yankees, they've been stale. It's been every year, postseason exit early. The Mets haven't gone to the playoffs, but they're gonna be back very soon. Depends on what they do with this offseason. And no better way to do that than to have the richest owner.
0: Do you really think there's going to be a, a quick turnaround for success just because the owner is rich now? I mean, is that something that you believe in as a fan? Because I wouldn't put too much of my hope into that just because the way teams build in the MLB, it's not really through free agency. We saw no. he, bets, he signed with the Dodgers, and obviously they won the World Series, but that team was already a, a contending team. That was sort of just piling on another great player so I don't know I I wouldn't as a Mets fan if I were putting my hope into Steve Cohen I think that might be a mistake he it depends on who he hires he obviously has uh, you know all these positions now available he's gonna have to bring in some guys that uh, people are gonna believe in but I think it really just depends on who he brings in in the front office We'll see if those guys make a change at the manager position. I know managers in baseball don't necessarily matter anymore, uh, but we'll see what direction they go with that. If they keep... Uh, who's their guy? I, I just Rojas. His name. He,
1: he, did, he didn't get rid of him. He left him. Right, but he Rojas, got rid of man. the whole front office.
0: Yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be up to the new front office, too, if they want to keep him around. Uh, I think signing a player like Lindor, trading for him, obviously, is going to make your team more talented, and it's going to make you better, but they're going to need a little bit more than just a couple big name free agents. They're going to need to get a better farm system. They're going to lean into analytics a little bit more. And uh, you should see a little bit of, of a different Mets team under Steve Cohen.
1: Yeah, Steve Cohen, I'm so, he just got approved today and he cleaned us already. That just shows me that he's poised. He wants to get to work and he wants to change this Mets franchise where they've been live, almost living in poverty the last 20 years with the Wilpons, <laughs> refusing, refusing to spend money. I mean, no. Um, It wouldn't affect many teams if they got a rich owner. But, I mean, since it's the New York Mets, it's a New York team. And he really wants to spend. I mean, it's going to definitely help out the team. They're going to be able to retain players they weren't able to retain before. So that's a plus. I know you don't build in free agency. But when you have Brody Van Wang as your GM and he gives away one of the top prospects in baseball, I mean, and you don't have that, you're going to be in much better shape with building this roster. So maybe not, they'll not make the playoffs next year. I don't know when they'll make it. Can't predict the future, but they're going to make moves. And if they get Bauer, maybe Lindor, I mean, they'll be a, they'll be a fun team, but it, it's going to be more of a, a long-term. It's a good, good long-term investment for the Mets with Steve Cohen, and he did not waste any time at all.
0: Yeah, and it's a good investment for New York sports. I mean, I'm no Mets fan. I certainly like to take my fair share of shots at them, but it does bother me that, cities like Boston and and LA now this year th- that these cities are experiencing such great sports success in all, in all their sports. I mean, look, the Bruins win the Stanley Cup sometimes. Obviously, the Pats have been a dynasty. The Red Sox get a couple titles here and there. Uh, it really, it's funny because the Celtics, which is the team with now tied for the most championships in their league, you know, they haven't actually won in over 10 years. But It does bother me that those cities, they get to have their teams be successful all the time. And then in New York, we get the Jets and the Giants who are awful. The Mets have been, like you said, living in poverty and the Yankees have been a a disappointment. They've kind of been touted as this World Series juggernaut and they haven't even made it uh, in over 10 years. So I think Steve Cohen coming in and shaking things up, not only will it, maybe get the Mets to be competitive again but it'll wake up the other franchises especially the Yankees who say look we're not just over here untouched for attention for all the players that want to come and play in this city now we have to worry about the other team which finally has a legitimate big market owner so I think this is going to be beneficial for not only the Mets but just for New York sports.
1: Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, hopefully the Knicks can turn things around because it looks like the Nets. I mean, they struck gold in free agency. They got Kevin Durant, who many people proclaim to be the best player in the world at the time. They got Kyrie, who's a who's a great point guard who had some clutch finals runs with LeBron. But yeah, this is great for New York sports. The Rangers from uphill, they had the first pick in the draft. They got maybe a superstar, and in their first pick, and they have a lot of young players budding. The Islanders almost made a cup run. I mean the Devils are New Jersey, but uh, they're not in the New York market. But they are—they're horrible, so I guess they're relevant. But Islanders, Rangers on the uphill, Mets and Yankees maybe gonna be on an even playing field moving forward. And and the Knicks, the Knicks have to figure something out because every other team might be. And the, well, the Jets and the Giants, New York market. The Giants are certainly trending in the right di- direction. Not not the Jets though. I mean they're gonna need to—they're gonna need a while to rebuild, but. I like what I've seen from Joe Judge so far in that Giants team.
0: I have a Jets pick coming later in the show that is going to shock you, I think, uh, as we get into our NFL Week 9 preview. But uh, we'll save that for later in the episode just because we have more MLB news, more news that surprised me today. Jeff Passon reporting that there will be no punishment for Justin Turner, who tested positive for COVID-19, obviously, during the World Series, and who also ran out onto the field after being urged by the league and by the Dodgers to not do so. So that surprised me. I didn't think that he was going to get away with nothing. And I mean, I guess it, it did surprise me, but it also didn't because this is an MLB front office, which they didn't really punish the Astros for violating their sport. And now you have a player like Justin Turner who endangers not only his teammates, but, I mean, I guess the rest of the series had the Rays won that game. Uh, it could have endangered the product. I was in a a, a Zoom call uh, where Ken Rosenthal was speaking yesterday, and he says there's a chance that the World Series it would just the play got com- would have gotten completely suspended had they gone to a World Series uh, a Game Seven, and he really didn't know where they would be at this point. He said that there's a chance that it would still be going on if uh, if the Rays ended up winning and tying the series. So it, it does kind of surprise me that the MLB really did nothing about Justin Turner testing positive. It just it, it seems like a mistake to me.
1: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, I don't know why they don't punish him. I mean, the, the the MLB is the softest league. Will they don't punish anyone. They didn't punish the Astros. They don't punish Justin Turner, putting families in danger and and fans and players. So... Just really unfortunate for the MLB. But, and we're going to have a special guest coming in soon, actually. I invited Justin to join. He's going to, talk, he's <laughs> going to join fan. the show to talk some Steve Cohen. He's excited, and he's going to join us in just a second.
0: All right, well, we, we make a call to the bullpen here. We bring in our friend. He has his own show, the Double State Sports Podcast, and he's a Mets fan. Excited Excited to talk about Steve Cohen being approved and cleaning house. Justin Nicosia. Justin, welcome to the show. This is our first ever sort of bringing in a guest
2: mid-show that we have a plan on, so (laughs) pretty funny. Hey, I'm uh, happy to be the recipient of the call from the bullpen. Uh, It's nice to be on, guys. It's a great day in the life of Mets fans right now. I know last week when the sale first went through, it was really, really great, but today it's official and Steve Cohen's just not wasted any time in getting things done.
1: Yeah, let's go. Now, I I told Will before you joined, Justin, that the Mets are taking over New York baseball. It's going to happen soon.
2: Yeah, definitely, man. I I know that people hate to hear the thought of the Yankees not being the Kings of New York, but (laughs) in the next couple years, it very well might become the Mets. Steve Cohen has got as much money as the next four owners combined, he may be able to go out, get Trevor Bauer for us, get George Springer, maybe JT Romudo. Even if it's not JT Romudo, we get James McCann. So we'll see what he could do. He could do big things for us and he is not wasting time firing everyone from the front office. Yeah, Justin, and he, as a Mets
0: fan, as a Mets fan, how much faith are you putting in Steve Cohen? Because I was just saying to Noah that the MLB teams aren't necessarily like Teams like the, in the NBA, where they build through free agency, you got to kind of have that farm system and have a sort of well rounded team. One star isn't necessarily going to put you over the top. So I just wanted to ask you, you know, in contrast to the Will obviously Cohen has a significant amount of money, but are you really ready for the Mets to just be a great team, an always contending team like the Yankees right away? Or do you think it's going to take some time for them to sort of build up their, their reputation as just a, a a much more wealthy, much more big market team.
2: Uh, yeah, I do think the Mets could just take control relatively quickly. Um, you did mention how one star usually doesn't really help a team all that much. I mean, we saw that out in L.A. with Mike Trout, how the Angels have been with the best player in baseball for this whole decade, and they've only made it to one playoff series. Uh, but a big part of that is that L.A. doesn't have a great farm system. Uh, yes, the Mets farm system is pretty bad now, too. But Steve Cohen, <laughs> by firing – Brody Van Wagenen today has shown that he's going to recommit to having a farm system because Brody Van Wagenen, people love to hate on him and everything. I don't think he was the worst GM in the Mets history. Uh, or I think it might think have he was, been. I think he was decent. I mean, like the whole Cano-Diaz uh, trade, like it was a great trade at the time. Like you needed to work on a bullpen and this past year, both guys had done pretty well. Uh, but at the same time, you you know got rid of Kalanick you got rid of a couple other prospects Dunn was another guy that you got rid of you got two huge prospects you got rid of so he got rid of most of the farm system Uh, and by firing BVW I believe that Cohen is trying to focus more on having a farm system but at the same time he's going to be able to build through free agency with all this money that is just coming into the team and he's a lifetime Mets fan he seems to care a lot about the Mets and uh, with with the Wilpons in the past, they had restricted a lot of the players that, uh, that either Wagonin or Sandy Allerson in the past and be able to get because they had been so cheap with their money.
1: Yeah, those are all good points. I think – let's talk about the Mets and the Yankees for a second. So, Lindor, what do you think, Justin? Do you think Cohen is going to make a bunch of moves this offseason? Do you think – what do you think – what would the Mets have to give up to get a Francisco Lindor, you think?
2: Now, the thing with Francisco Lindor, I saw some tweets by Andy Martino, uh, who is the Mets beat writer on uh, SNY. Uh, let me just pull it up real quick. He was saying that the Mets need to give up a pretty hefty price if they were to get Lindor, which theoretically would be uh, would be pretty true. He kind of threw around something like um, Dominic Smith, he threw around like Dominic Smith, uh, J.D. Davis, and Ahmed Rosario as one of the things. Now, the thing there is... If the Indians had competent ownership, then sure, that might be uh, kind of like in the realm of possibilities of the price they'd be asking for. But you've got an ownership in Cleveland that has been on record of saying, Indians fans, be happy with Lindor now while you have him because he's not a part of our future. He's got one year left on his contract, which already kind of lowers his value a little bit. And the fact that the Indians have been cheap with their players in the past, uh, really willing to get rid of players for almost nothing, like we saw that with the Bauer trade last year, and we've been saying with all the comments that he's had in the past, uh, the Indians really don't have much leverage in this situation. So uh, I think Cohen would not have to give up as much as Martino thinks he's going to have to. And I think that uh, the market for Lindor, although it's going to be pretty uh, hot, this offseason it's not going to be it's it's not going to end up being as expensive as we might think
1: well what do you think about Just the see, Yankees trying to get Lindor do you think the Yankees well they, are going to be are they gonna be contention or
0: well the Yankees have a decision to make with DJ LeMayhu and there was talks of him getting upwards of 25 million per season and I don't really know how willing they are to give somebody who's uh, 32 years old, like Lemayhu is, I don't know how willing they are to give him a, a five-year contract worth $25 million per year. Um, I certainly would be somebody who would be willing to do that. Lemayhu obviously won the batting title this year in the short season. He is an elite defender, a former Glo- Gold Glove winner. So I do think he is worth it. If you're talking about swapping him out and bringing in somebody like Lindor... Um, the fact that they would have to trade for him kind of limits my willingness to do that just because I don't know what they're going to be asking from the team like the Yankees. They might have to give up somebody like a Clint Frazier or a Miguel Andujar and if you're giving up two, both of those guys in order to get Lindor when you could just have both of them and sign LeMayhew who has hit better than Lindor over the past two years uh, is probably a better defender. uh, I would think that keeping what they have now would be more beneficial to them than signing a player like Lindor. And it would put a target on the Yankees' back further. I mean, the Yankees are a team that obviously is the evil empire. They spend money left and right, and they would just be bringing in another $30 million star who is one of the premier faces in baseball. You're just going to bring him on to another loaded team, and you know we'll see what that does. Teams are obviously going to be out there trying to to beat the Yankees and dethrone them so I don't know I kind of like the homegrown method a little bit more you keep DJ around you keep your younger players that seem to be promising but I don't know we'll see the Yankees they haven't been shy in the past with adding stars so uh, I think it is a possibility that Lindor comes to New York one way or another
1: Michael K really wants Lindor he was talking about on the K show that DJ's 32, and Lindor's 28 if the Yankees are going to try to win the World Series because running it back certainly hasn't worked. I mean, maybe Lindor's the missing piece. They signed Cole last offseason. Maybe another big spend could get them over the top, but we'll see.
0: Justin, going back to the Mets for just a second, how do you feel about manager Luis Rojas? Because Steve Cohen, he obviously cleaned out free agency. Uh, not free agency, the front office. <laughs> uh, that. They- they're going to be bringing in all new uh, front office reps, a whole new GM. Do you think that they'll keep Rojas around or will it be up to the new front office to evaluate and bring in a new guy?
2: Um, yes. Yeah, see, I'm not, personally, I'm not really much of a fan of Louis Rojas. Um, I saw a lot of the in-game decisions he made from lineup decisions to the bench uh, who he put in to substitute and, uh, and the bullpen. A lot of those decisions were pretty questionable from time to time. Uh, it's kind of hard as a rookie manager to have those decisions be effective every single time. Uh, but that being said, he only had one year so far and it's a shortened season. It's going to be hard to say if he gets cleaned out right now. I don't think he'll be fired at least right away. Um, but something that is a little bit interesting to know, I don't really know uh, that many people right now that would be like in the coaching carousel, but something that is pretty interesting to note is I don't know if you guys touched on this earlier in the show, but Alex Cora just got rehired by Boston, and we all know that he was the Red Sox manager during their World Series ring, and then he got fired because of the whole cheating scandal, and they brought him back this year after his uh, one-year suspension was over. Maybe it'll be yeah. interesting to see. It's kind of a long shot, but maybe it'll be interesting to see if the Mets bring Beltron back on, uh, whether that's AJ as-
0: too, the the Tigers decided to go with him as their next manager. So it seems like all those guys are making their return.
2: Yeah, yeah. AJ Hinch went to the Tigers. So we'll see. Maybe the Mets will bring. I, I'm not sure they'll fire Rojas just because he only had one year so far. And uh, he seems to be kind of analytically driven, which is the way baseball is going. I don't really like it, but whether you like it or not, that's the way baseball is going. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if they bring Beltran on back at some point because all the players, or not all the players, the coaches that have gotten fired from cheating scandals have been getting rehired the past week or two.
1: Thomas hates analytics in baseball. He he so talks about I, it all man. the time. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, for the Mets, if you had to pick one of these three players to have on your team for next year, you can only get one Justin. Would it be Real Muto, Lindor, or Bauer? Who do you think would be the best option for the Mets moving forward?
2: That's a tough question because all those have like a lot of potential but flaws at the same time. And with, with catching, Real is the best catcher in, in baseball, but he'll cost a lot of price, and he's getting up there in age. Um, but you could have Wilson Ramos, who's pretty good at hitting, but terrible at, at fielding. So catching is a big need there. I wouldn't take Lindor if I had to choose out of those three because Ahmed Rosario is still really young. He's got a lot of potential. He didn't really show it much this year, but in 2019, the second half of the year, he was amazing. And he showed that. If he could tap back into that, uh, we wouldn't need Lindor at that point, especially if you have to sacrifice one of the other two guys. Uh, Trevor Bauer might end up being my pick because they're really – aren't any other starting pitchers on the market that are his caliber at least with catcher you could go with James McCann I know he's not near the caliber of JT or Mudo but he's serviceable enough uh the only thing that would make me hesitant on Bauer is um not even as much as inconsistency because he's always been a pretty good pitcher not as amazing as he was this year but he's shown that he's had the potential too that he finally tapped into this year uh the only thing I wouldn't want to tap into the rotation is because Jacob DeGrom in rotation. He's the best pitcher in baseball. Um, Noah Syndergaard is coming back. David Peterson looked good in his rookie year when he was uh, playing. And Marcus Stroman, you just extended him a qualifying offer. He might come around. So that's already four pitchers. So, I mean, as bad as the rotation and pitching in general look this year, um, if Lindor – not Lindor, excuse me. If Stroman signs that extension and if Syndergaard comes back into decent form this upcoming season – uh, the rotation isn't that big of a need. So I, it's a hard question to answer. Bauer might just be the guy I would say just now because there are questions in rotation. But it's it's hard to say. It's a pretty tough, tough decision. I would eliminate Lindor from the uh, from the conversation if I had to eliminate one. But between Bauer and Realmuto it's harder to pick.
0: Uh, yeah, as a Yankees fan, I definitely, out of those three players, I would definitely be pushing for Trevor Bauer just because the Yankees need probably more rotation help than the Mets. Uh, Luis Severino should be back at some point next season. So he's supposed to be your number two with obviously Cole. And then Tanaka, he is a free agent. So we'll see uh, if they end up giving him a a new deal. But uh, if you don't bring him back, you're going to be in trouble in terms of of starting pitching. And they already were this season. So uh, Bauer, if you had to give me an option of bringing a player like Lindor or Bauer, I'll go Bauer all day for the Yankees. Uh, Justin... Before we let you go here, no punishment for Justin Turner Turner handed down by the MLB. Uh, How do you feel about that? Do you think that was the right call?
2: It's it's hard to say without really um, getting – I mean, because this issue kind of feels politicized a lot, so it's really hard to say without having any political undertones, and I don't want to have any of that on this show. Um, But personally, I don't think Turner really has – is at fault as much for at least for his actions during the game i don't think to my knowledge he really knew what was going on during the game uh that he had it i think that was more so maybe the dodgers organization maybe you'd have to investigate into it a little bit more to see to the extent that turner knows uh but if you're talking about just purely based on him playing through the game up until the seventh inning the dodgers would be the ones i would have get penalized for it now if you're talking about what happened after the game Regardless of your thoughts on on COVID and and how extreme it is or anything, um, that was just irresponsible, him going out on the field. Uh, He was told not to. It was completely against protocol. And he had a mask on for the first couple of minutes. But after the first couple of minutes, he took his mask off. He kissed his wife. He was taking a team picture without the mask on and everything. So all that is pretty irresponsible. So I would find him for that. Um, especially because you find people for things before. I mean, especially in the NFL, people have been fined for arguably lesser things. Um, not For being COVID negative, people in the NFL have been fined for not wearing a mask. So uh, Justin Turner just tested positive and he was on the field and he was kissing people on the field. So <laughs> um, for his post game actions, he should be fined for, uh, but for during the game, him playing shouldn't be, he shouldn't be at, put at fault for that. It should be the Dodgers or organization at fault for that.
0: Yeah, those are good points. The NFL, they find coaches 100K apiece for not wearing a mask on the sideline, and they don't obviously even have the virus at that point. So definitely a different philosophy from the MLB. All right, Justin, well, thanks for showing up sort of in the middle of the show. Uh, tough first to caller. No problem. Definitely no problem. Appreciate hey, I'm happy him. to be
2: the first guy of this experimental kind of uh, come on first segment type of thing.
1: <laughs> yep, thank you for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me. I mean, I know I t- just texted you as soon as Brody was fired. You're like, "Hey, come on, right now, we're talking about the Mets." I was yeah, I'm I got excited.
1: I I I got excited. We had the experiment on this show. Thanks to Justin for joining us. To talk about some Mets. Now to NFL Week Nine preview. A lot of COVID. A lot of injuries going on. The Niners. I mean, they got blown out on Thursday night. Well, this is, we're taping this on a Friday, of course, when the bandwagon news and the Mets news drops, but. The Niners had $80 million in cap on the injury reserve, and they got exposed by Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams.
0: Yeah, look, when you have your best pass rusher, your well, your best offensive weapon, and your quarterback not playing, uh, you're probably not going to win. They had other players that have been standout for them this year. Brandon Ayuk was on the COVID list. Uh, their running backs, Mostert, has been banged up, so... They are a shell of what their team was coming into the year. And Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they got exposed by my Vikings on Sunday, and they were probably mad about that. They came out against a team they knew wasn't going to uh, be trotting out their best roster, and uh, they took advantage of it. And obviously, Rodgers to Devontae Adams is becoming one of the best wide receiver quarterback duos in the league. I mean, I, I know they were already... Talented and uh, up there with the best, but it seems like Devontae Adams just goes insane every game now. And I, we haven't really seen that from other receivers. Hopkins, I think, probably still is the best receiver in the league. You make fun of Michael Thomas a lot for being slant boy, but he is Devontae Adams, Adams really, since coming back from his injury, just is he's a target machine, he's a touchdown machine, uh, he does everything right. So he is obviously one of the most talented receivers in the NFL.
1: Yeah, and speaking of Slam Boy, he is actually going to be active for this Sunday night game, which we'll talk oh, about congratulations. later. Congratulations! <laughs> yeah, he's finally, finally. back. Uh, all right, now until the main slate, the Broncos going to Atlanta to face the Falcons 1 p.m. Eastern. The Falcons are four-point favorites. And I'm surprised the Falcons are actually favored by a full four in this game. I mean, I think the Broncos are the better team. Drew Locke, he looked pretty good last week. They... Herbert blew like a 20-point lead to this Broncos team. Jerry Judy should have a good game. The Falcons' D is not great, and I really like the Broncos in this game. I think they're going to win outright. I think they're the better team, and Falcons' D is just too bad. I think the Broncos are going to be able to put up points pretty easily, and it's a good game to show what Locke can really do in this game.
0: Falcons are at home, so that gives them a little bit of the edge in the spread category They have been winning their games up until the last second pretty much every single time. And then they just obviously blow it at the end. So, yeah, these are two teams that uh, that don't hold on to leads. They're kind of both in the same category. The Falcons, I think they're probably the worst team. I do agree with you. But the Broncos, they haven't had that consistency of having Drew Locke at the quarterback position all year. Uh, The rookies, Jerry Judy, has been kind of inconsistent because of that. Melvin Gordon and Lindsey have each been on and off the field. And their defense, Von Miller, obviously out for the year. Uh, It hasn't been up to the standard of what the Broncos D has been. So I guess I'll agree with you. I, I do think the Falcons, they just choke a little bit too often. But they do have the more talented offense, I think. So it should be pretty high scoring.
1: It should be a good game. Poor Broncos with all those injuries. We thought they were going to make the playoffs, but then Locke got hurt. Von Miller and their whole team. I mean, Son got hurt. When you lose your top players in most positions, you're not going to be a good team. All right, how about the next game? The Bears at the Titans. Both of these teams are on some losing streaks. I mean, the Titans, they got bested by Joe Burrow last week and they lost to Big Ben and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Bears, I mean, they were 5-1, but they lost the last two weeks. Who'd they lose? They lost the Saints and the Rams. So, yes, they're both on two game losing streaks. Tennessee is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I mean, I don't know. This game might be pretty sluggish. I don't think many points are going to be scored in this game. This is in Tennessee. But spread in case the Titans should win by a touchdown, I mean, that seems about right. I think the Titans are the better team than the Bears. We keep saying the Bears are frauds, and they're falling apart. So, but... I see the game could go, really go either way. I think I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game at all. What do you think?
0: I think the Titans are probably in a good position to win this game. The Bears are certainly a worse team than them. Ryan Tannehill is legitimately a good quarterback, and it's, the jury is still out on Nick Foles if he can really be a consistent starter. So they have the edge there in that most important spot. Their offense, obviously, Derek Henry, a dominant running back. Bears defense has given up uh, 24 and 26 points in back-to-back games. Or the Titans... I mean, look, they played the Pittsburgh Steelers in a close game. They uh, kind of got exposed by Burrow last week and the Bengals. But I don't know. I, I do think the Titans are in position to win this game. Bears, they seem more fraudulent to me. And I think the Titans are legitimately a good team. So I'll take them to win this game.
1: Great reasoning, copying me on all aspects. But... This game's boring. Um, (laughs) 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 Moving on, Ravens at the Colts. Ravens won half-point favorites. Going to Phil Rivers. The Colts are off a bye, but I don't know why the spread's only one point. I don't believe in Phil Rivers. I know Lamar's a running back now. He got demoted from quarterback to running back, but Ravens are just a better team than the Colts. I mean, I don't see how the Colts win this game, to be honest. I I don't think their offense is good enough especially with your boy Jonathan Taylor playing 33% of the snaps last week. And he apparently can move people like a truck. But I don't know about that. I mean, the Colts, this offense isn't good. T.Y.'s old. And it's Phil Rivers. I mean, Philip Rivers is a game manager. He's not going to go out and beat an elite team like the Ravens. So I go Ravens. I think they're going to win this game easily.
0: The Jonathan Taylor usage is just obviously disgusting he is active for this game he did get a little bit banged up so that did reduce his ability to be on the field but he is active for this game Uh, but that's not really going to mean anything I I do think the Ravens are probably going to win but the argument for the Colts is they do have one of the NFL's best defenses and Lamar Jackson has looked completely just uh, he's been completely shut down by even even bad defenses so I, I could see the Colts sort of neutralizing the Ravens offense. There kind of has been some drama there with Hollywood Brown complaining that he's not getting the ball enough. Uh, It just, it has not been the same Ravens team. So that's the argument there for the Colts, but the Colts, they just have Phillip Rivers, a washed quarterback who is not very good. Their backfield is a mess. They just don't know what they're doing there. And they simply just don't have enough offensive weapons to contend with a team like the Ravens, which can score despite Lamar not throwing the ball well. So, yeah, it does seem like the Ravens will be able to come out on top for this game.
1: Yeah, Ravens really should win this game. They're the better team, but you never know. The Colts, they're, they're a good team. They're coming off a bye. I don't think we bought into the Colts hype this year, but they're proving us wrong. They're tied with Tennessee for the division lead. So that would be an interesting race going down the stretch. Pivoting to the next game, Panthers at the Chiefs. The Chiefs are 10-point favorites. I'm not those are going to win this game, but I think they're actually going to keep it close. I mean, Panthers are better than I thought certainly this year. Bridgewater and their offense is good. McCaffrey should be back for this game, right? Is he supposed to play?
0: He's back, yeah, officially.
1: I mean, I said they were better without CMC, but I mean, maybe they can win this game with CMC back. I don't know. I mean, the Chiefs run these always been bad, and they're getting the best running back in the league back. Panthers D is not great, but this is going to be a high scoring game. I, I expect Carolina to lose, but keep it within 10 in this game.
0: It should be high scoring. Mahomes kind of just carves up every defense, as we've come to know. I don't think the Panthers have enough to keep up scoring wise with this team. So, Chiefs minus 10, maybe they wouldn't buy less than 10. So, that could be a little bit too big of a spread, but. Yeah, It's just the Chiefs are a more talented team, and they should get this win.
1: Next game, your Vikings hosting the Lions. We got news earlier in the week that Stafford is on the COVID list. They're going to start, who are they going to start? David Bilal or uh, Chase Daniel, quarterback? We don't know yet. Galladay's out. It's just Marvin Jones, Hawkinson, and the running backs going into Minnesota. Vikings off a good win against the Packers. Another divisional game for them. They're favored by four and a half. I expect them to easily win this game. I mean, if it's Blau or Chase Daniel, they're both not very good options. And the Vikings, looks like they're playing better brand of football. They're letting Dalvin Cook run the ball more than they're like letting Kirk pass the ball, which is always good for the Vikings. I mean, Dalvin Cook could easily walk into another 100-plus yard game against the Lions. Poor run day. Vikings should win this game pretty easily here.
0: Vikings should easily win this game, but that's just been the thing for them all year is the games that they're expected to win, they perform horribly in, and the games that are expected to be a one-sided game, they show up and they just they play up to their competition. And we saw it with the Seattle Seahawks game, we saw it with the, the Tennessee Titans game, and we saw them actually be able to win against the Green Bay Packers on the road this past week. But then you get games like the Falcons where they give them their first win they uh, have not been competitive with the lower tier teams in the league. So now you get a, a Lions team that doesn't have their starting quarterback. They don't have their best offensive weapon. They have a bad defense already. Everything should tell you that the Vikings come in there and they get a big win. And they're at home. So it, it just, everything points to the Vikings winning. But, you know, we'll see. I'll, I'll be rooting for them to win at least.
1: Yeah, you never know with this Vikings team where they gave up 40 points to the Falcons and gave them their first win, but hopefully the Vikings can pull one out here. Uh, A very boring game coming up next, the Giants at the Washington football team. Washington, two-and-a-half-point favorites. Football team shot themselves in the foot last game. I mean, they could have tied it, but they went for two, went for the win in the fourth against the Giants a few weeks ago. They lost. I mean, the Giants are playing a great brand of football. They really should have tied that game against the Buccaneers. If Jones just threw a better pass to who was that? I think it was one of the running backs out of the backfield. If he threw it in front of him, so behind him, Giants could, maybe could have pulled one out on OT against the Bucs. Could have been a fun game, more fun game. But I don't know who's going to win this game. I mean, the football team's favored. They're at home. Usually divisional games are tough. But I think I'm going to go with the Giants here. I think they're the poised team. They're the better team. And I, I think Daniel Jones is going to have a great game. And I'm gonna believe in the Giants here and they're gonna win outright.
0: I almost picked this game as one of my locks and I would have Yeah, I, I almost said Giants. I would have picked this in almost
1: favor, did it. favor of the Giants. But I almost did it too.
0: Yeah, I just I just can't do it. The line is Washington two and a half. The Giants, they've been competitive in almost every single game, but they just obviously have lost nearly every single game. We saw it the last time they faced washington they kind of got bailed out by bad decision making on part of ron rivera and they they kind of just didn't really care i guess about tying that game and going to overtime so it seems like a difficult difficult game to predict the line does indicate that as well uh, i guess i guess I'll, i will pick end up picking washington just because the giants sure. won the fir- the first game of the matchup division games usually you end up splitting with other teams in your division and they are at home for this one so I'll take Washington. It's not my lock, but it almost was.
1: Football team probably should win this game. I mean, they almost they were, they did outplay the Giants last game, right? There's no reason why they can't win this game, especially at home. I know there's no fans, but no traveling for them. Alright, how about the next game? The Texans at the Jags. We've just, notif- just been notified that Minshew is out, so their second or third string quarterback is going to be starting. I think it's going to be Mike Lennon or, or some other guy. I don't I don't even know his name, but Texans have been playing certainly been playing better since they fired Bill O'Brien, and their six and point favorites in this game. They should easily win. I mean, the Jag they beat the Jags easily last time in, especially with the Jags having a backup quarterback playing. There's no reason why the Texans cannot easily win this game by more than a touchdown.
0: I completely agree. The Titans uh Texans blew them out in their last matchup. Jags, they're trotting out an even worse quarterback and even worse offense than They had the previous time. They're just, they're not a good football team. And the Texans, they've sort of been screwed by their schedule and probably aren't as bad as their record indicates. So I think they can easily blow out the Jags this week.
1: More of the, and and up next, one of the more interesting 1 p.m. games Seahawks minus three at the Bills. Probably the best game in the 1 p.m. window. Josh Allen, he's been pretty bad recently, even though he got a win against the Patriots last week. Will, him, and Dick show up this week against Seattle's defense? They're poor defense, but defense did play a little bit better last week. I and mean, the Seahawks are only favored by three on the road. I mean, this is a tough game, but I'm just going to be, I guess, I'm biased. I'm, I think the Seahawks are going to win this game. They're the better team, and Josh Allen's good. Yeah, but he's going to make mistakes. He's a young quarterback. He still sometimes fumbles or throws picks. I think mean, the Seahawks are going to be able to force a few turnovers in this game and, and get a win, and... The Bills D has been poor a little poor recently, so sets up for Seahawks offensive explosion. I think they easily put up 30 plus points in Buffalo. The Bills,
0: they kind of fell off from their early season magic, and it kind of has to do with the play of Josh Allen. He has not played as well as he did in the first couple of weeks. And, you know, take that for what you will, his competition through the first three games was pretty terrible. And now it's sort of ramped up to a more average competition for the league, but this game, it's not going to be easy for them uh, against the Seahawks. I know the Seahawks are coming east on the road. That's probably why the spread is only Seahawks minus three, as opposed to it being larger, but I do think the Seahawks are going to be able to pull out this win just because they are the better team. Wilson, he did not take his loss to the Cardinals lightly. He came out and blew out the 49ers last week, so I think they're going to – it should be, again, high scoring, but I think they just are the better team, and the Bills have not played well recently.
1: Raiders at the Chargers, 4 p.m., Chargers minus one. Justin Herbert, we talked him up a lot, him and Burrow, on the last episode where we gave rookies mid grades and teams midseason grades midseason awards. Check that out if you didn't listen to it. I mean, the Raiders, they usually play the Chargers pretty well. I mean, I don't really know who's going to win this game. It's only Chargers minus one, but I feel like the Raiders are are going to win this game, but it wouldn't shock me if the Chargers did. I mean, Herbert to Keanu is a great connection, and Herbert's probably the better quarterback compared to Derek Carr. Already, we're only halfway through the season. It's going to be a close game. I, I think the Raiders are going to pull it out, though.
0: Chris Carson ruled out by Adam Scheffner for the Seahawks game,
1: so... Didn't seem They'll like they did with, with DJ Dallas last again. week. DJ Dallas played well last week. It doesn't really matter who the running back is for the Seahawks. They plug one in and still roll an offense. I think the Chargers are going to be able to pull this game out against the
2: Raiders.
0: Uh, Justin Herbert is uh, an outstanding rookie quarterback. And the difference here between the Raiders and the Chargers, even though the Raiders have a better record, is. They are one of the most inconsistent teams, I, I think, in the NFL. And they sort of are able to beat a great team, and then they lose to a bad team. They get blown out sometimes. They're kind of like the Vikings, uh, except they do have more wins. And the Chargers, every game they lose is by one possession. They go into overtime and they lose. They it, it just been sort of the opposite ends of the spectrum for both the Raiders and the Chargers. But I think at home, Justin Herbert, he's going to be able to put up a ton of points on this Raiders defense. And we'll see. I mean, if we get a good Raiders for this week, maybe they'll be able to come out on top. But if you get a bad Raiders, uh, that <laughs> should be the end of it. So I do think the Chargers will be able to pull it out.
1: Moving on to the next game, Steelers at the Cowboys. Um, not, not much to say here. Bentonucci's at quarterback, and the Steelers are 14 F-point favorites. They're probably going to blow them out. I mean, good for Chris and your dad. The Steelers are going to be you 0 know, Not much to say there.
0: Yeah, Bandinucci.
1: Bandinucci. Yep. All right, Cardinals, a little more interesting game. Battle of young quarterbacks. Kyler versus Tua. Tua only had 93 yards last week. Is he going to show us that he's, he's actually worth the top five pick? We're going to find out this week. I mean, Cardinals are favored by, what, four and a half? And I expect them to cover that pretty easily. I, the Cardinals, the Dolphins, D, I remember you mentioned last show, well, they have allowed, what, the second least amount of points.
0: Third, I think it was. But Third, yeah.
1: Definitely. Brian Flores has done a fantastic job with that Dolphins team, and all their offseason acquisitions are, are working. But is Tua good? I mean, I don't know. We're going to find out. I mean, I just the Cardinals are probably just going to end up outscoring them by a lot at the end of the day. Kyler Hopkins. Should be a fun game, though. Should be a fun game. Tua should definitely get a lot more passing downs and reps because it won't be a blowout right away.
0: Yeah, I fell into the trap last week of just picking against the rookie quarterback in his debut against what seemed to be a good defense, and it had nothing to do with any of that. The Rams just looked awful on offense and turned the ball over a bunch, and it was pretty much a blowout. So we'll see if the game, the story of the game is different. Uh, these offenses should be going back and forth, but the Dolphins' defense obviously is near the top, top of the league in, in points allowed. They don't give that many points, and the Cardinals' offense is... Uh, dynamic offense with with Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins. So, yeah, you're thinking the Cardinals are going to be able to win just because Tua won't be able to get it done. Uh, I kind (laughs) of agree, but we'll see if he even gets that opportunity. I mean, he didn't get it last time, so we'll see if the game is different.
1: Yeah. Should be a fun 4 p.m. game. And Sunday Night Football, the Saints slam boys back. They're facing at the Buccaneers. The Saints won week one. And I think the Saints are going to win in Slam Boys' return. I think they're going to beat the Buccaneers again. They match up extremely well. Is A.B. going to play a lot of snaps in this game? He should be active. Uh, well,
0: if you ask Bruce Arians, he says maybe he'll play 10, maybe he'll play 50. He doesn't give you a good answer.
1: Yeah, he'll, he won't tell us. But Saints have all the ingredients to stop this Buccaneers team. It's um, going to be a great game Sunday night game in Tampa. Buccaneers are feared by four and a half. I'm going to take the points. I mean, I think the Saints are going to win this game. It's going to be a close game. Brady was pretty bad in that week one game. He gets. We'll see if he can get revenge, but getting Slampoy is huge for the Saints offense. Getting him back, him and Kamara, both so dynamic. It's it might, it's going to be a pretty good game. It might be a shootout, and I'm going to roll with the Saints here.
0: The Bucks, they've been rolling. They've been taking down some of the league's better teams. They blew out Aaron Rodgers and the Packers when most people thought that wasn't going to happen. But the Saints, they've been winning without Slant Boy. They are on a four-game win streak. They beat the Bears, the Panthers, the Chargers, and the Lions. So, you know, take that for what you will. Those aren't great teams. But they beat the Bears in overtime last week, and the last time the Buccaneers lost was to the Bears. They lost by one point in that game. So, I think the... I'm going to disagree with you. I I think the Bucks are going to be able to hold it out. Michael Thomas, he'll be back on the field. But you call him Slant Boy for a reason. Maybe he won't <laughs> have a huge impact on this game. the The Bucks defense is pretty decent. They were able to completely neutralize the Packers' offense a couple of weeks ago. So but this is the first time these teams are matching up uh, this season in the division. So uh, we'll second see. time. Oh, it is week one. Time? Yeah, I said that oh, week the, one. The Bucks the lost week them one. Out week one. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: All right. I don't know. Maybe you're right, but yeah. Look, the, the AB is here. These are two wide receivers AB, that AB is are, no, are like destroying their team chemistry. So
1: that's true. It's a battle of diva wide receivers now, and the Monday night game, an ugly one. Sam Donald might see ghosts on a Monday night again. He plays the Patriots, but the Patriots are two and five. This is the exact same thing that happened last year. I mean, the Jets were at home in my life and he saw ghosts, but it's not going to happen. Patriots favored by seven. Um, Patriots should win this game. It's about all bad teams, and I don't really know who's going to win this game. I could actually see a, a scenario where the Jets win this game by like a field goal. But then again they are tanking it as Adam Gase's team, so probably gonna end up losing actually.
0: I'm gonna transition this right into our locks of the week because I don't know, that's just how good of a host I am. Oh yeah. Uh, my first my first lock, I'm gonna pick the Jets plus seven in this wow. matchup there at home. So against the Pats, both these teams, they've been the Pats have been bad, but the Jets obviously they're on another level of just atrocity this year. But I really do think that it's going to be an ugly, close game. And I think the Pats will struggle. I think they'll probably beat the Jets. I'm not going to sit here and be crazy and pick the Jets to get their first win. Maybe but, you should. Like, I don't know. The, the Jets, they, they, they have to win eventually, right? They have to? I mean, the they, Pats, don't, they, they, don't, as, they don't have to, actually. The Pats, they've looked as bad as, as any NFL team. The Jets haven't looked like an NFL team. Always <laughs> like, gonna be watching this Monday night game, but I think the Jets could lose by by six,
1: by three. I said I by, three. I, by three. by three seems realistic. But then again, Belichick hates the Jets and he might want to stomp on them, and hopefully his team can do the same.
0: Yeah, I think the Pats are gonna win, but I think the Jets can cover. My next lock, I'm gonna go with the Chargers. I outlined that game already before. If you get a bad Raiders team in here, the Chargers—they're only favored. By one point, I mean, if they win the game, they're going to win by probably more than one. So uh, I think they could get it done by three or seven. Uh, Herbert should look pretty good in this game again. And then my last pick, it's going to be the Texans over the Jags. The Jags, they have a backup quarterback coming in there. The Texans blew them out in their last matchup. It should be more of the same here. So I think Watson and the Texans win by more than six and a half. I think they get it done by, by a touchdown.
1: Yeah, that's a pretty easy pick. I'll go right into my locks. Um, I'm going back to the Baltimore Ravens well. They failed me last week. They didn't win, even though I said I would take them 100 times out of 100 times in that spot. I'm Going back to the well, they're going to beat the Colts only by one and a half. They're, if they win, they're definitely going to win by like three or more. So, yeah, I mean, I don't believe in this Colts team or Phillip Rivers. The Ravens are the better football team, whether you like it or not. And Second lock, I'll go the Broncos, plus four. I think they're going to win the game outright. I really like their team. I, I think Drew Locke is going to have a three-touchdown performance. Judy, bold prediction. I think he'll have his poor defense. The Broncos will squeak one out. I think they'll win by like a field goal here because the Falcons are known for blowing leads and losing on last second place. And the Broncos are going to kick a field goal in this game, I think, at the end. Other, my third lock, it will be the Cardinals. Um, not, I'm just not putting the faith in two. I think the Cardinals are going to come in. They're off a of bye. They're at home. Kyler Hopkins, so lethal. The Dolphins' D is good, but this is Kyler Murray. I mean, he's becoming an elite quarterback. We've seen week in and week out, and I think the Cardinals should be able to win by a touchdown here against Miami. Miami's been running a little hot. I don't know if they're not going to force Kyler Murray to throw th- like three picks like Golf did last week, and – Dolphins going out west, so Cardinals are going to win. It's going to be a tough game. Cardinals, Ravens, and Broncos are my three locks. All right. How about our fantasy features and flops? I guess I can go
0: first again. Um, My fantasy feature is going to be Marvin Jones. Now, I am a Vikings fan. We did both pick them to win, but. Their defense is already one of the worst in the league, and (laughs) they're down a handful of what they would hope to be starting cornerbacks this game. So their secondary, already bad, even more beat up heading in. Marvin Jones is the number one for the Lions. Granted, he does have a backup quarterback throwing it to him. Uh, Obviously, Galladay out, so he becomes the number one. But I I don't think the the Vikings are going to be able to go into this game and win without giving up at least two or three touchdowns to uh, wide receivers. And Marvin Jones certainly should be the recipient of at least one. So I'm going to take Marvin Jones as my feature.
1: He's on my fantasy team. I have him and Hawkinson starting this week. Definitely could put up some garbage time points against the Vikings. My feature, Chase Edmonds, Drake's out. And I've read somewhere that the Turnals offense is actually better with Edmonds getting snaps and being on the field. So, I mean, the Dolphins' D has been great, but Chase Edmonds is a great runner. He's going to catch passes. He's definitely going to have at least like 15 fantasy points in this game. He could easily get a touchdown since I think Arizona is going to put up points. So I'm going to go with Chase Edmonds as my feature of the week.
0: And for our flops, I'm going with Cam Newton. I can't justify myself picking the Jets in any scenario without (laughs) the opposing team's quarterback having a bad game. And Cam, he's not looked good. Over these past couple of weeks, you've retracted your comeback player of the year, picked from him yeah. multiple times, not just once, but two or three times. So, look, it's it's the Jets' defense. Um, the Jets, they're, they're just a, a terrible team. But Cam Newton, uh, he has not looked great. So, uh, I'm going to go with my flop. I, I don't know if they're able to score many touchdowns in this game. So, without him doing that, I don't think he gives you the production you want out of your quarterback.
1: No, that's fair to say. It should be a sluggish Monday night game. My flop's Derrick Henry. I don't think he's going to have 100 yards against his Bears D. The Bears front seven is really good. I mean, I think I expect Tennessee to win the game, but I don't think it's going to be the Henry show. I think it's going to be through the air. The Titans are going to have to win by with A.J. Brown, Johnu, and Corey Davis. Corey Davis came alive last week. He had over 100 yards against the Bengals, and I expect him to, do, to play pretty well again. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, as I said earlier, but I don't think Henry's going to have a monster performance. I think he'll have like 70 yards and maybe get a touchdown, but his ceiling is not very high in this game against the Bears.
0: Out of every player in the NFL, we've hyped up probably Derrick Henry the most over the past two weeks. We've said that he is the scariest player to face after Halloween, and you're going to go in here the second game
1: yeah, October
0: I 31st and pick him as your flop? Why?
1: Yes, yes. I, I I laid out all the reasons. Um, this is just a bad matchup. And his gummy worm hair. He's not going to He's going to. He's not going to pr- prevail in this game. So
0: I don't. I think that's that's crazy. Uh, the Bears. They're they're a fake good team. They're just not. At least going to their be able defense is
1: all right. Their defense is all right. They can stop him.
0: They're not stopping enraged Henry.
1: <laughs> all right. If he gets he goes for one fifty and two. Um, I'll make you can make fun of me on next show. So all right. that's a bet
0: alright well that has been this episode of the Bonafide Scrubs podcast we had a lot of fun bringing in Justin go check out his show the Double Say Sports podcast Uh, you can also leave a rating and review on this show if you enjoyed it on Apple we appreciate that Uh, you can follow us on social media at the Bonafide Scrubs on Instagram at Bonafide Scrubs on Twitter and that is it we'll see you sometime soon
1: peace